I deeply want everything to go right. <laughs> I deeply have all these patterns that were programmed into me. And having a sense that all of that is okay. I'd like to work on them. I'd like to change them. I don't want to be suffering for the rest of my life. But here is where I am. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth, and I'm super excited to welcome today's guest, Jeffrey Marsh. Hi, Jeffrey. <laughs> Hi, I could hear it in your voice. I am genuinely excitement. so excited. Uh, admittedly, I was a little bit nervous also, which I don't really get nervous. I've been podcasting for about 10 years, but I think so highly of you, and I've talked about you on the show before, and I just want to do justice to how amazing you are. And I'm really excited to introduce everyone to you. So well, wait a minute. We can't <laughs> just like move on. We can't that. No. What what can you say a little bit more about nervous? Oh, What's the worst case? No, scenario? it's like excited nervous. It's not um it's not like tension bad nervous. It's like anticipation um, and then we chatted about our dogs and the fact that I, <laughs> I have so many things to keep alive in my home and um, I feel safe with you. So I think we're good. We're good. Well, I, I love that because to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, it sounds like you might be saying, in this case, nervous is a bit like caring a lot about something. A hundred percent. You're invested. I am. Enthusiastic. You're ready. I hope so. <laughs> no, I am ready. And um, so before we jump in, I wanted to say we are not medical professionals. We're going to talk about Jeffrey's Indeed. background, but we are not here to give um, any advice other than general education purposes, not intended to diagnose, advise, treat any physical or mental illness. And we're going to recommend that you consult a licensed service provider if you feel like that's appropriate for you. I also want to recommend Jeffrey's amazing resources. And I personally, we're going to talk about, um, have done coaching with you. And you can find Jeffrey at jeffreymarsh.com, the Jeffrey Marsh on Instagram. And um, how Same to be- TikTok. I'm too old for TikTok. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure that's where my teenagers too. will Don't find you. <laughs> um, and then How to Be You is your audiobook that I actually started with. And Jeffrey has a great TED Talk that we'll put a link in the show notes for you. So Aww. I so here's the the story. I actually found Jeffrey through searching for non-binary LGBTQ educators and activists when I first became the foster parent to a non-binary trans kiddo. And I wanted to be the best ally and parent that I could be, which meant I needed to get educated. <laughs> and so mm. I really enjoyed learning from your Instagram so much that then I got your audiobook, How to Be You. 
And from there, I remember thinking how fantastic it would be for our kiddo to get coaching with you, mostly because confidence and comfort in their own identity was not something that they had previous to being with us. And I Mm -hmm. knew that that was something that you are amazing with. But unfortunately, the state did not approve them having that kind of coaching service. Everything has to go through, you know, social services and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I ended up taking the coaching session with you, which you actually asked anyway. Good for you. A little bit of a genius move on your part. I do like to suggest that. (laughs) Whenever a parent contacts me, I'm like, why don't we talk first, right? So smart. Um, And from the moment that the call started, you really saw me in a way that I don't know Mm -hmm. I've ever had reflected back so quickly. Like, I think within the first 30 seconds, you gave me a compliment and I immediately was like, let's just move on from that. And you were like, wait a minute, what just happened there? Um, (laughs) Kind of like the nervous thing. Kind of like the nervous thing. Which I also, I have another follow-up question. I know you have something you want to say. Do you want to say it first? And then I'll ask you something. Yeah, go. no, that's okay. We're paused now. I'm curious. Well, were you nervous having a non-binary foster kiddo? I don't think I was. No. It's so delightful to me because in that particular instance, it was clear that you really, truly, deeply care. But it's not the same, or you wouldn't say, evidently, nervous. No, I mean, there was certainly an amount of, and maybe if I could go back to that time, I would identify the feeling as nervous. Mm. But... There was certainly um, an amount of care and wanting to make sure that we were being supportive and encouraging in ways that I didn't truly understand at that time because it wasn't something I'd been exposed to. I've been, you know, an ally of the LGBTQ community for as long as I can remember, but that doesn't mean that I fully knew how to address pronouns or you know, introduce them to people whom they haven't met before. How how would be the the mm-hmm. right way to do, like just simple, I don't want to say etiquette type things, but to ensure that the feelings that I had were coming through in the respectful way that I intended them. Well, it's not simple etiquette. It is someone's soul. Yes, for it, sure. It is uh, human dignity and respect and yeah, I I wanted to check in because so many people deeply care about something and then they get labeled in their mind that they're nervous and they shouldn't be nervous when nervous is just a word, another way to say you deeply care about something. Is this making sense so yeah, far? <laughs> it's, no, it's spot on for sure. <laughs> and then caring is made into a character flaw. Mm. that you should be an uncaring person. Mm -hmm. Well, you use the word should. That's a big one here. That's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, My my teacher at the monastery said, you know, don't should yourself, right? It's a huge red flag whenever we think we shouldn't care or when caring is a bad thing or when caring is a character flaw or when feeling is is a character flaw, frankly. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree in a lot of instances. Um, I think 
for sure what we're going to dive into about perfectionism. I mean, I was raised to care maybe a little too much. And so for me, it's like this double-edged sword of sometimes it's also okay to just let go. And so I do want to just read an excerpt of your book before we get into that, because this is the very first thing, if I'm remembering correctly, that is in your book, chapter one. And it really took me off guard when I first started that the very first thing that you said is don't try to be perfect. Because for me, Mm. that had been a life goal that what else are we doing if we're not striving for perfectionism? Um, So I'm going to read I can't do it justice. If you want to hear Jeffrey read it, you can get his audiobook. Um, but I'm going to read their audiobook. Yes. See? Did I say him? I did. Thank you. Um, no, it's a it's perfect because it wasn't perfect. Yes. Right? And I do tell our listeners quite often, like I misname my own children in my own home quite often. Like <laughs> I call the wrong kid the do wrong name. Do you call name. your kid Gus? Gus. Sometimes, Sometimes. it's more my <laughs> husband that calls the. <laughs> kids by the dog's names. But usually both of us mix up kids' names all the time. And when I say that to to parents, I'm like, listen, have you ever called your kid by the wrong name? Yes. Okay, what do you do? You immediately correct it. And then you move on. You know, it's, let's not make a big thing about us, which is something that you taught me as well, right? Like, if I make it about me, like, oh, I'm so sorry, and blah, 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 then you feel the need to accept the apology instead of it just being like, their book, my apologies, let's move on kind of thing. And I Mm -hmm. hope that that um, is helpful for listeners to understand because we won't ever be perfect, which we're going to talk about no matter in any category we try to be. So, all right, I'm going to read this. Um, Sorry, perfectionism doesn't exist. Whoever taught you what it means to be perfect was making it up. Whoever taught them was making it up too. Perfection is a phony concept. It's a phony set of standards. Where did the standards come from? How did they start? You can't always be sure where your ideas about how you should be came from. The one thing to notice is that perfection often has a shifting definition. Over time, we as a society change our standards. And yes, over time, you as an individual change your ideas about how to be perfect. What you think is the perfect person thing to do now may change in five years. It may change in five minutes. Perfect is a shifting, unclear, unreliable set of standards. Because of this, you will never meet the fake standards of perfection. This is awesome news. As soon as you give up the quest to be perfect according to some outside standard, you can start being you. Can you share more? about yourself and how you came to this. Because as I read that, I'm sure there were light bulbs going off in everybody's minds about all the things that I thought, oh, if I just achieve this one thing, then it'll be great. And I'll, you know what I mean? Like, and your concept of perfection is shifting, is so spot on. I can't wait to hear how you came to be who you are today and how you have these thought processes that are so special and amazing. Oh, um, I, okay. I have to go on a little tangent first. So you mentioned it's okay to let go. We were talking about caring deeply Mm -hmm. and caring about being perfect. It can cause a lot of anxiety, stress, strain, (laughs) difficulty, (laughs) all of that stuff. And I want to clarify that 
what really was a key in the lock for me, what really was a turning of the key in the padlock that was over my own heart, was an ability to accept how deeply I wanted to be perfect. Not to go around attempting to pretend like I really knew the quote-unquote spiritual right answer, which was not to be perfect, you know, all that stuff. Not going around doing that, but, but actually sitting with and finding peace with the fact that I deeply care what other people think of me. I deeply want everything to go right. <laughs> I deeply have all these patterns that were programmed into me. And having a sense that all of that is okay. I'd like to work on them. I'd like to change them. I don't want to be suffering for the rest of my life. But here is where I am. Do you call that self-acceptance? Yeah, self-compassion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's been a big one for me. And I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate as well that especially within the last two years, um, maybe when we shut off the rest of the world a li little bit more than we were used to or didn't have to confront the comparison syndrome of being around so many people physically, that sitting with ourselves became hard at first, but then mm. the act of compassion and acceptance of who you are has been a really powerful um, movement along the way, at least for my circle. Now, I granted, I have a wonderful circle of people who are trying to be better all the time, and so are our listeners, and I know that's not the case for the whole world. Uh, but I do think that that what we call collective trauma of the last couple of years has the opportunity to reform and reshape us into these individuals who want to to be better and to do better, but also accept you can't you can't strive towards being better if you can't accept who you are today, really, right? So um, I would love to hear more about this monastery <laughs> wait, 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 wait. thing. Wait, Did you're you gonna just wait. Okay, I want to. I want to tell you. Are I you going to point out that I'm trying to be a perfectionist without? Oh. Um... <laughs> well, I think you just implied that self acceptance is the gateway to being more perfect. I no. think that, yeah, I hear what you're saying. That's not what <laughs> I intended. Not, we're not doing self-acceptance in order to get somewhere. Yes. We're doing it for its own thing. Yes, 100%. And my intent is to say that most of the people that I hear from are like, well, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And so it's a matter of, okay, but there's always going to be something that you don't, even if you fix those three things, fix quotation marks, right? Mm -hmm. If you fix those three things, you're not going to be satisfied. Like the shifting perfection, it's also this shifting sense of self, all these kinds of things that we strive for. And therefore, you will never be happy, even if you fix those three things, unless you accept yourself today. And from there, I can still want to be kinder. I can still want to donate mm -hmm. more. I can still want to exercise more often. But I'm also going to accept that like I'm doing the things that I'm doing today and they're okay today. But if I don't 
fully accept and sit with that, then no matter how much more I try to do, it's it's never going to be enough because it's just going to keep shifting until I sit with that acceptance. So I did, I hear what you're saying, and hopefully that's <laughs> more of an explanation of how I intended it. Yes. <laughs> I'm a work well, in the, progress, obviously. Yeah, I mean, as am I. And the, the equation of self-acceptance, it just slides right over into self-improvement. If I could just accept myself, then I could do this and this and this and I'd be better and blah, blah, blah. Well, hopefully for a lot of people, at least was the case for me. That's where I originally came to self-acceptance from. But then once I really was... a last resort. Well, honestly, (laughs) I mean, my perfectionist heart will lead me there, right? But then when I am truly sitting in that self-acceptance, it's so much easier to just not worry so much about the betterment or the things that I wanted to be better at, like being kinder or those kinds of things became more of a priority for me and and where I wanted to focus my attention versus some of the perfectionist ideologies of, you know, recognition of others and being the best at something and all those things, the prioritization of what the word better meant completely shifted. Mm. Mm. This podcast is sponsored by Theragun, which is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power, plus it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. If you're like me and you sit a lot, maybe you hold tension in your body, or you need muscle recovery from exercise, this is perfect for you. I remember when I was training for Strongman, I had Matt use his electric sander without the paper on, on areas of my body that needed tension release. And I wish that I had had a Theragun to actually get to the source of the pain since it goes 60% deeper than vibrations alone. I cannot wait to see how this helps with aches and pains from our upcoming Disney trip. Theragun is your own personal portable true deep muscle treatment. We're talking 60 pounds of force to increase circulation and release tension. Plus, the OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. And the Theragun app integrates with Apple Health or Google Fit through Bluetooth. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash whole view right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash whole view. Therabody.com slash whole view. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed. Right now, hiring is a challenge. It's time for a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. I personally got my big career break back in ye olden days through Indeed, and they've grown so much since then. Now they have virtual interview options, so Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place, and no need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser, saving you headaches. Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet the must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, Indeed partners with you in every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through 
time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match. As soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash whole view. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to indeed.com slash whole view to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash whole view. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, a little bit about my story. Yes, we, please. We really have to talk about what you just said, but I'm gonna we're gonna we'll, we'll pause. <laughs> okay, on that because I'm excited about that too. Um, but I think it's the perfect uh, segue because so you mentioned I'm non-binary. I'm a public figure. I love and accept myself. Um, I actually hope you know, fingers crossed. I take hate that I receive online and transmute it into something valuable which we can talk about. And that's sort of my jam. That's my brand. And if you type non-binary into Google, my face will pop up and stuff. And I got here actually connecting with what you said a couple minutes ago out of sheer desperation. I had a very, very rough childhood. Um, my, uh, both of my parents thought that it was my dad, especially is, is why I hesitated there. Um, but both my parents thought that it was their job to raise a non LGBTQ kid. So they tried every single thing, including violence, withholding affection, mocking, uh, you know, anything you could think of to get me not to be me. And that programmed me To stick to the theme of the podcast today, that programmed me to want to be perfect so that I could win their love and affection. I mean, I was (laughs) 24-7, extra credit, over the top, um, trying to be an image of something that I thought they wanted. And by extension, you know, that I thought my teachers wanted or random people on the street or whatever. And that led me to such which I'm happy to talk about, by the way, such dark and desperate places that I eventually moved to a monastery and I studied Zen Buddhism for over 20 years to be able to uh, see some of this clearly past what I had been programmed to see. Yeah, go ahead. I you said at a couple of points, I hope and I think, and I just want to be that tiny <laughs> validating. That. Yes, I just want to be that tiny <laughs> validating voice for you saying you can stop saying that um, because it is incredibly inspiring to see how you're able to turn negativity into something valuable for others. And that mindset shift that you had through those studies was obviously incredible in order to do that. Because I know as someone who also receives hate publicly that I strive to do the same thing, but I also know that it still hurts. It's still personal. It still makes me question sometimes like, oh, should I try to be 
what I say is the juiciest peach in the orchard, but there's always going to be someone who doesn't like juicy peaches, you know? So um, that, that idea of calm and, and being able to focus on what it is that you're striving and what your goal is and um, in a way that is very healthy and focused on supporting the people that want to be supported is your magic sauce is your jam for sure. So, um, you're, you're there. Thanks. Um, yeah. Did you want to share uh, more? <laughs> Before yeah, I, interrupted well, no, I just you? wanted to say one, one thing that may help to contextualize it for folks. The monastery was run by the first, I was lucky enough to study Buddhism under a woman, which means that she approached things in what I consider to be a very holistic way and stuff like uh, misogyny, LGBTQ phobia and stuff could be folded into the practice in a way that I don't know if I, I would have gotten with a different spiritual teacher, but who knows? The reason I bring her up is, you know, and I talk about her in the book. Um, the reason I bring her up is she was the first person on the planet to use the phrase, quote, self-hate, end quote, to describe the torrent of garbage <laughs> that, that most of us exist with and around that the Buddha himself might have been hinting at when he said life is suffering. You know, that torrent of trash talk that goes on in most of our minds and so that was really a foundation for the Buddhist practice that I did was chucking self-hate, getting over self-hate, moving past self-hate, living without self-hate, living beyond self-hate. And it's really relevant to what we're talking about today. Yeah. I think one of the growth areas for me, at least where I am currently, is being able to identify it in others. Right. So mm. yes, I see it in myself and working on it in myself. And the more that I do that, the more I'm able to recognize like this thing that this person said or did wasn't really about me. That was their own self-hate being projected or reflected into an area where they see something they don't like in themselves um, in, in most cases. Right. And therefore that, that hate is rained upon somebody else. So, all right. I know we're going to get into it. I do want to give like a relative help our listeners understand how this applies to you. So listeners, mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners like myself have autoimmune diseases. And I think this topic is especially important. And I, have mentioned it on previous shows specifically because there is significant data to indicate that this type A personality that is the perfectionist type um, personality, mm -hmm. whatever it is someone's striving for, you and I have different, you know, things that we're striving to be perfect at, but both taking that on are significantly more common in those with autoimmune disease. So we can extrapolate from that, that, People who are putting themselves under the stress, under the tension of this perfectionism that they can never strive to achieve because it's constantly moving and they will constantly experience the self-hate and the shame and all of these things of being, quote unquote, a failure, or at least that's what I constantly felt like. Even if I hit the achievement, it was a moving target and now it wasn't good enough or, you know, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. um, 
that is affecting our health and can increase, you know, autoimmune disease and a number of other things that we know stress causes. So if we look at perfectionism, we see that it also increases um, risk of heart health uh, diseases such as, you know, coronary artery disease being seven times more frequent in people who have intense sustained drive for achievement and being continually involved in some sort of competition, whether that's with yourself or with somebody else with deadlines. So if that resonates with you, if you find yourself, you know, needing to be the mom with the best cookies at the bake sale and, you know, shaming yourself for whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, from like competitive athlete or high achiever in school and work, whatever that looks like for you, we know that it really does have a negative impact to our behavior and our physical self. And I think what was amazing is is working with you in that one simple coaching session. I mean, you like like I said, those 20 <laughs> years really funneled down really well in that um, I was able to see that in myself and see how it was harming not just myself, but also others, right? Like this, one of the things that we talked about is how do I think my children feel seeing that I have such high standards for myself and Mm -hmm. what does that ask of them? And so knowing that my personality is rooted in perfectionism and I absolutely do not want to put that on my children, um, I think it's important to recognize where these behaviors might be in some of our listeners because they don't have, and I hope that they do have a coaching session with you, but they haven't had that privilege of kind of like, seeing it be pulled out a little bit. And so um, I Can wonder, I ask you a question? yeah, I was going to say, I wonder how much of that um, you see in talking to people, right? Like, do you, do you see that, like, for example, the parents that you speak with um, exhibit some of these perfectionist type behaviors more often um, or h- how that might manifest itself? Absolutely. All the time. And, you know, you have a sense of it. So what I wanted to ask you was, what did you get from your parents? Are your parents still alive? Yes. Let's start there. Yes. Okay. They're both alive. Mine are both alive as well. So we'll talk delicately about all of this stuff. <laughs> My mom listens to this show. Hi, um, mom. <laughs> so we'll, I'll, we'll just I'll talk about me. How's that? And we'll talk in general. So mm, I remember, it was a huge realization to me, remembering, having memories of my mom's face. And again, this is my perspective. She may have a different take. But seeing my mom's face when she was being mean to me and then seeing she didn't want to be that way and what I would describe as kind of like the self-hate face Mm -hmm. of feeling bad after yelling at me you know, Mm -hmm. and just having vivid memories of watching that play out and then realizing that's how I learned to be a human being. Mm. I just did that same thing. (laughs) Yeah. And the irony is we all, every, every person that I know that has kids say, I'm not going to do that thing that my parents did, but inevitably you do it consciously or not. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, transparent with my parents. I've been to therapy with my mom, which was 
really helpful and healing for both of our relationships because my mom has not had an easy life. My mom was adopted at an early age and had difficult upbringing of not feeling accepted either. And so Mm -hmm. I know that my mom did everything that she could to create a sense of family and closeness that she felt she didn't have when she was younger. But also my parents divorced when I was one years old. And my mom had three slash four marriages, depending on how we're going to define them, um, throughout my youth. And it was not just a metaphorical perfection moving target for me. It was with each person that my mom was with, because I lived with my mom, the rules changed. And, um, you know, understandably, you're in a relationship with someone and coming together, that changes. And for me, um, I got used to things one way, and then the rules changed. And then I got used to something another way, and then the rules changed. And so I think definitely, in a strive to, you know, make my father proud of me, who I didn't live with, and really only got kind of like reports of <laughs> what was going on with mm-hmm. me, right? Like, oh, Stacy did well, was what I wanted to hear, because I, I wanted very desperately to be loved and accepted in a way that I didn't realize until much later on in life that I needed because I came from that separated household. And I tell my parents all the time, I'm really glad that they divorced. I think I would not want someone to be in a relationship that they're unhappy with. I think we've all learned since then how we can maybe incorporate and be part of family and all that kind of stuff. And so I think that is part of the best that we can do. That's that like, okay, I accept where I am today. But I also, as a parent, want to try to take what I'm learning and be the best version of myself that I can while knowing full well, I am not going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. And um, that's okay, because I'll go to therapy with my kids too. (laughs) Sure. Well, I, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I trick parents. And uh, is it trickery I, though? I mean, it's just absolutely. It's just smart. It's just smart. <laughs> um, when a parent messages me or emails me or DMs me and says, "I want you to coach my fourteen-year-old and help them to be happy," I email back and I say, "Oh, why don't you and I talk first? And it's because of this exact thing. And this came up in our coaching session. And if I'm if I ever get close to revealing something you don't want me to talk about. Oh, I'm an open book. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> just just yell something in my face if you want me to stop. But it sounds like you're okay. So in our coaching session, this came up. Kids, just like me, I, I know this from being a kid, from my perspective with my parents. I'm going to learn by seeing an example of something. My mom didn't, but she could have told me uh, up, down, sideways until next Tuesday, you should love yourself. But if I never saw that, if I didn't see a person actually stopping and choosing self-kindness, I would never know it existed was a thing. Yeah. And I think we, as parents understand that as it applies to habits and behaviors that we want to create in children, like, for example, not cursing, right? 
Um, if you don't want your children to curse, the first place they're going to hear it is you. I remember the commercials when I was a kid. I learned it from watching you, Mom. <laughs> um, right? So, and I think it oftentimes we lose sight of where they might be seeing things that we're not necessarily aware of in ourselves. And I think perfectionism is one of those. I remember not long after our coaching session, you did a short Instagram video. I'm sure it was a TikTok that you posted on Instagram. So every time I say that, just know that I'm being the old mom who's on Instagram. Um, and you, it was called How to Heal Perfectionism with a new definition. And that definition, after our coaching session, then seeing this definition, there was so much power for me in hearing mm -hmm. it and living it. So I'm going to I'm going to share this, but I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to our listeners so that they can watch. It's just a three minute video. Um, but perfectionism is hating myself when I do not reach the standards that I assume will control what other people think of me. And I'm pretty articulate. It was incredible. <laughs> I got this. Down. You nailed it. Because in that moment, I realized how much I cared about how much other people thought of me, which somehow yep. being a, you know, almost 40 year old woman hadn't occurred to me that I cared what other people thought. And I was like, does Stacy, you care like the most what is wrong with you like why else would you need this kind of recognition or strive for perfection or all these kinds of things and so over the year I mean honestly it was this true light bulb moment for me and that calling out that perfectionism was worrying about the opinions of others which of course is rooted in self-hate and assumptions um all of those were huge for me as the year went on and then I would I would try to have as much self-reflection as I could. Like, well, why do I think that I need to do this thing more or do this thing better or go harder or sleep less in order to do X, Y, mm -hmm. or Z? And as I would have those self-reflective moments, I would say to myself, I'm assuming that that makes somebody else happy. I'm assuming that that makes somebody else think better of me. What do I want? Yeah. It's, act I mean, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's actually not just happy. I mean, I, I want people to be happy so that they like me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they were unhappy and liked me, that would be fine too. <laughs> Do you know? Mm. It's just, it just comes back to, I want people to like me. Yeah. I have it harder than that. I, not now, but was rooted in, yeah. um, I want, I want to please everyone. And that is an impossible task. Mm, Even if you're I perfect, that, one that, too. that is an impossible task. Right. So, um, yeah, I think you gave an example on the video that related back to your youth and how you were trying to um, appease your parents. And I wonder mm -hmm. if you can share that because I felt like it was so relatable in understanding how this manifests itself all ages, all walks of life. Sure. I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh, Give me a little bit more. Oh, you. I'll tell you whatever story you want. You spoke about trying to be as religious as you could and, and as like as perfect. Oh. I mean, I am telling you, I was like 12 years old and the pastor was asking me to give the homily when he would be on vacation. Do you know what I mean? Like I was that extra credit. Mm. And. I knew every Bible verse, I knew every story, every parable, and I did it 
very, it was so specific. I did it so that if two people were in a conversation and one person said, I think Jeffrey's a little, you know, that way, (laughs) a little LGBTQ, the other person would say, oh no, but Jeffrey knows all the Bible verses. That can't possibly be right. And that was the only reason I was doing it. Again, coming back to people liking me, I guess, pleasing everybody. And thinking that you could control how people think of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tr- can I tell you the tricky, a, a tricky part? Please. I don't know if you would identify with this or not. Um, I would love your take, though. I'm good at it. I'm good at getting people to like me. I am charming. I'm cute. I'm funny. <laughs> I would agree I, with that. I bake amazing brownies. I mean, the skill set is there. And that to me was part of what tripped me up because it fit right in. And to be honest, it's what a lot of other people wanted as well. They want me to be schlepping to try to please them. Mm-hmm. Right. It feels good for them. Yeah. And in a sense, you know, in, in the sense that it fits into and was a way I was trying to heal my childhood stuff, it felt good to me. But ultimately, as you hinted at so, so beautifully, it doesn't hit the mark. It doesn't heal our childhood stuff to be perfect in someone else's eyes. Perfect in quotes. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. And so then the trap becomes, well, this didn't work because there's something wrong with me. So why don't I try harder to be perfect? Mm. And on and on and on. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. This podcast is sponsored by AARP, which I know you're saying to yourself, but Stacey, you're only 29. Turns out you do not need to be any age to join AARP. I know, right? The truth is, I plan on being around long after I turn 50. So while I'm young at heart in the eyes of everyone except my teens, I'll soon be facing the same issues many Americans over 50 do. In fact, I've heard countless times the fears from my generation about Social Security benefits despite having paid into the system. But supporting AARP means that you're supporting advocates to ensure we have affordable health care, lower prescription costs, and protected Social Security when we need it. AARP is the largest advocacy group for ages 50 and over and offers financial and job resources, fraud protection help, information on joining local volunteer groups, and much more because they too want you to have a lot of good years ahead. AARP membership benefits come at very little cost and include access to hundreds of benefits, discounts, and social programs, such as family caregiving support, something I know a lot about with kiddo, job board and resume advisor, which is a fantastic benefit if you're re-entering the job market, driver safety tips, financial planning, retirement, and social security resources, plus the AARP magazine delivered to your door with news, interviews, and articles relevant to you. Not to mention savings like a $110 voucher for Naked Vines wine, other restaurants, grocery stores, hotels, and even exclusive insurance plans that cover everything from health and home to pets and auto. When I told my dad AARP was sponsoring this show, he texted, and I quote in all caps, I love AARP. I chipped a tooth last week, went to the dentist, and AARP Medical Advantage Plan paid for it 
100% with two exclamation points. So you can try the benefits for yourself. Go to aarp.org slash wholeview to join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal. You'll get a second membership for free plus the AARP, the magazine, and a free gift. That's aarp.org slash wholeview. where I've come to it now. And I want to share this because I, I hope that it gives some hope for our listeners is that in letting go of trying to control what other people think of me of pleasing everyone in truly having those internal dialogues with myself that I can't do that. And therefore I need to let go of it. I've realized that I don't actually want to make everybody happy. There are a lot of people who are rude and who are mean and who don't deserve <laughs> my time. And like, I, I mean, I knew that before, right? But I somehow had this like complex that, well, if I'm just good enough, if I'm just perfect enough, then they'll see the light and they'll change. They'll become good people. And I think you're a magician at, you know, not being cruel to people who are cruel to you, right? The phrase hurt people, hurt people. I think that's something that's been eye-opening for me and been, you know, a reminder for me as I talk about things that make other people uncomfortable and social. Um, I remind myself like, okay, well, they don't have those experiences. Are they genuinely asking of me to learn or do they have mal intent because that's where I'm defining the line of self-protection of mm. like creating that that line of I'm not going to give of myself to someone whom does not show the same respect and that was not something that I really fully understood until I pulled back from wanting to make everybody happy like Somehow I thought in my brain that someone who so clearly is on a very different path and a very different mindset from me, that I could just yank them along if I was good enough, if I was smart enough, gosh darn it, everybody likes me, you know, and it doesn't work that way. Oh, yeah. And I think you're meaning to imply this, but I just want to say it's right out. A good example to me is I had intimate relationships and friendships and, and family relationships and all of that stuff where I was trying to please them so much that I was literally doing their spiritual homework for them. Mm -hmm. It was like, just like an assignment in school mm -hmm. and it was due and I was doing it. And, and putting it on a platter and holding it right. in front of their face, just begging exactly. them to take and it. I yeah. was doing this work for mm -hmm. them. And the thing that, that you implied that I want to state straight up and, you know, tell me if the, you didn't mean to imply this is that could throw them off their spiritual trajectory. Mm. If I do the work for them, it could actually be a detriment to someone else. So Beyond I will say just not pleasing them. It could actually throw them off. They need to be doing that work themselves. Yeah. 100% is the case. And I've, I've shared this. My husband and I have been together 20 years and we were babies when we first moved Aww. in together like we've just grown up together and I in my very controlling perfectionist nature was doing that for him for a large part of a relationship 
I'm going to say 17 years. Um, and the codependency. <laughs> Give or take. Just a I, round number. They just, I'm, and there's a reason why that that changed, right? Because even through children, I mean, he's a wonderful man with the best intentions. Like, I love him to death. He's my best friend. But he was not doing the spiritual growth. If we're going to, that's how we're referring to it. I also mm -hmm. think of it as um, kind of emotional maturity, right? Like some of these concepts that Mm -hmm. When we were 20, my expectations of, of him were different than when he's 37 and we have teenagers. And um, I remember because the pandemic started and we became foster parents and I was at home with four children. He is a U.S. postal carrier. So when the pandemic hit, he was out of the house for always. Like he was working 13 hours a day. 13 days in a row. Like he was never here. And I had never been a stay at home parent, a work at home parent before. And just remember feeling so overwhelmed with what was on my plate. Like I just could not homeschool, virtual school for children, one of whom, three of whom have special needs. Um, and also do all the things to support him the way that I had before. And I remember we went to couples counseling and I was like, I can't remind him to do the basic tasks that a grown man needs to be able to do that. Like mm -hmm. I expect him to do maybe somebody else does. It. I'm like, but I need him to get there. And it was really eye opening for that conversation to be reflected back to say, then you need to stop doing it for him. And I'm like, but I need it to be done. And I can't count on him. You know, <laughs> dun, and they're like, dun, dun. they're like, no, 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 but you need to stop doing it. I'm like, but it needs to be done. They're like, yeah, you need to stop doing it. Um, and I think that becomes, and I, I do think that it's prone in this perfectionist type, controlling type A personality, right? Like, if it has to be done, I'll do it. Or if, nothing's worth doing if you don't do it right kind of mindset. Really, all of that is like in a bucket that I left outside the door now because it just doesn't, it doesn't work in my mm. new world. But it, it did work for me for so long. And I realized that because I was controlling the world, right? Like I was controlling everything that therefore I kind of think of myself as like Ursula in that ocean, right? Like I, I was doing everything and I was in charge and therefore it was fine. But the minute that that world opens up a little bit more when we have other people coming into our home, whether it be social services or foster children or Matt's no longer here to do the things that I need him to do, it really rocked the boat in a way that needed to be rocked. So I, I'm just giving that as an example to say you are 100% right that if you do something for someone on that journey, it disrupts their ability to grow and do it themselves. And I did it for so long with Matt that mm -hmm. he never really had that opportunity to to have the growth that I was experiencing because I I took that from him without realizing that that was something I was taking I real I thought I was giving but I was not <laughs> ooh ooh I love the way you phrased that yeah I thought I was giving but I was not yeah and that's the thing I was I was trying to be perfect in order to be safe. I really thought if I could just achieve this something or another, then I'll be safe in my home. I, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I thought that. Yeah. And that is a heck of an incentive to to keep trying for that. And I just kept trying for the rest of my life. And can I say something 
um, fun, funky, interesting that people may find relevant or may not. Um, if I'm wearing a dress, I've already not pleased basically everybody. <laughs> I wish we lived in a world where I could just go to the supermarket uh, in a dress. But it, it's it really, you know, people just have issues come up whenever they encounter me if I'm being my my full, beautiful, wonderful self, which I usually am. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I, I think that goes back to the comfort that people feel about something within themselves that's being reflected back on you. Because mm. in my opinion, my experience, right, if you're wearing a dress, that does not affect me. I, I have no business caring what you're wearing, except to say, that brings me joy. Like, I like seeing <laughs> you be joyful. It's bringing me joy. Wonderful. And if it doesn't, then you just move along, right? Like that's what we're taught in kindergarten is if, 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 if you don't like something, just move along, you don't need to comment on it. And I think the internet really changed that for a lot of people. Um, but I, I do think that your point about being safe is one that I do want to touch on before we, Mm -hmm. um, kind of close the show, because that was what drew me to you. Trauma informs so much of what you share and educate on, not just your own, but also from your learnings of, I think, self-hate is often rooted in our own individual traumas, which then, of course, as we've said, you know, we reflect on others and on ourselves and expect perfection to avoid that pain. Um, And for me, that was what drew me in because of the coaching for kiddo that I was specifically looking for, the trauma that they had experienced that was uniquely theirs that I hadn't been a part of. Um, And what was interesting is that I didn't really understand some of my own basic traumas until I had that lens that I was looking through for them um, that you and I were able to kind of reflect back on my expectations and the different things that we're talking about coming from those basic traumas that I had. So first of all, thank you for helping me in a way therapists hadn't been able to for my entire lifetime. (laughs) I've been to therapy a lot. Um, And it's just incredible. And I don't know if I was just in a place to hear it, but also the, the way that you primed with your social and the book, and then to be able to kind of sit down and be like, whoa, yeah, I was thinking about it through the lens of someone else. But now that we're talking, it is important for me to put that lens back on myself. And so since many of our caregivers, many of our listeners are caregivers of one Mm -hmm. kind or another, um, I'm wondering if you have advice specific to not driving that kind of perfectionist mindset in our youth. Like I know we talked earlier about, you know, modeling that good behavior, but I think that sometimes we need a little bit of a jump start, if that makes sense, right? Like how do we even begin to tackle something that has been so innate in our life for so long? Yeah, it's been the context. It's been the air we breathe. It's been everything. Yeah, I... I think about this quite often because um, when parents contact me, it's this very unique position because we'll get on a Zoom and they'll say, I wasn't given any skills whatsoever (laughs) by my parents, period, to like myself, for example. 
but I want my kid to like who they are. Can you help me do that? <laughs> and I say something like, oh, well, you have to like yourself and demonstrate that for your kid. And they say, oh, I, 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 uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting to that. Um, I'll do that next Friday. But, but what you need to do is help my kid, you know? And it's like, that's, that's not what's going to happen. It has to be a con. Well, I'll personalize it. You know, I was talking about my mom's face. You know, I never, I never wanted my mom to be perfect. I do not remember ever as a kid to want, certainly not, you know, whatever her idea of perfect was. I didn't want that. But not even my idea of what a per, you know, quote unquote perfect mother would be. I never, I never as a kid wanted that. I honestly would have loved if she had just been more frank. And, you know, in an age appropriate way, but been able to say like, well, you know, sometimes this is going on for me and sometimes this is going on for me and sometimes this and this, and I try to do this. And what I really care about is this, you know, but it seemed like it all had to be like hidden inside this matrix of I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That is the perfect mom thing. Yeah, that's so powerful. Like many parents feel like they need to be the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Yeah, yes. yeah. Versus, I my kids will, um, and I'm in no way at all perfect, but I do feel very passionately about being transparent. My my brand is realness, and I'm that way with my kids as well. And when I am stressed out about something, or when I have a deadline for something, my kids know, and they'll say to me. If I haven't explained what the thing is, they'll say to me, like, what's going on? <laughs> like, they'll call me out and I'll be like, oh, you know, this, I have this and this and this, and I'm just feeling stressed about it. Mm. And um, I love that now they're old enough that they can say, is there something I can do to help? And usually I say, yes, I would love if you could help make dinner or I would love if you can cycle the laundry so I don't have to worry about that. And I think that has made such a difference, not just in the emotional maturity and confidence that we're talking about, but also in preparedness for the real world to empower our children to have the ability to read other people in seeing that they need support, right? Like you're, you're going to have a job where your boss is stressed out. And if the reaction is, we're going to pretend like the boss isn't stressed out and we're just going to try to be perfect and tiptoe and not upset the boss so that we become what they're, they wrath upon or whether we acknowledge to the boss, Hey, I can see that you're stressed out. looks like you have a lot on your plate. Is there something I can do to help? Like the difference that that makes in our feeling comfort in our job. And to me, that's success, right? Like if you, if you don't Mm. have fear in your workplace, if you feel comfort, if you feel valued, those things are success. Whereas I think a few years ago, I wouldn't have defined it that way. Yeah. There does need to be a parent kid role, um, dynamic. So it's not like your best friends, you know, but there is that sense of, of being able to be open. And I, I, I would use the word shamelessly open. And I mean that in, in a very specific, literal way to demonstrate a lack of shame 
in in being imperfect. I love demonstrate a lack of shame in being imperfect. That's a great one. Uh, listeners, if you want more from Jeffrey, we do have plans for them to come back on the show and we'll be sharing <laughs> part two. Should we do a cliffhanger? <laughs> a riddle? Well, and I'll say the, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we, we'll be moving on to some other topics, but if you want to know what we really thought and um, ask some questions, the best place to do that is patreon.com slash the whole view. And if mm-hmm. you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, Patreon is a great way to support us. But also leaving a review and hitting that follow or subscribe button in the podcast app you're listening to is wonderful as well. If you would like to have one-on-one coaching with Jeffrey, which I highly recommend, you can visit jeffreymarsh.com slash coaching or simply tell them your story in an email to hello at jeffreymarsh.com and they will tell you what happens next. I will tell you when I got that email back, I was doing a little happy dance and was so excited. <laughs> um, and it is it is worth your time, my friend. So definitely check out their book as well, How to Be You by Jeffrey Marsh, an inspiring, upbeat, interactive guide to combating feelings of insecurity and self-defeat that dispels the illusion that perfection exists and helps readers write their own story towards self-acceptance. Mm. I recommend the audiobook version. That's how I listened. That's um, my my dulcet tones in your ear. Yep. Honestly, you, you have wonderful calming presence, but I just <laughs> love when authors read their own book because it really helps you understand mm-hmm. where they put emphasis on things. And, you know, it's just, I'm a sucker for that. I got kiddo the physical book because they're a paper turner. So either way, we'll put a link in the show notes to How to Be You by Jeffrey Marsh. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, We'll, you'll be back. We'll have a different mm-hmm. topic, but unless I've messed everything up, um, <laughs> we'll look forward to talking you were with you again. Future. You were beautifully imperfect. Uh, it was my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.